0: text me right back and said, I've actually been thinking about something, got something ready. Amen. How many is excited and ready to hear the teaching of the Word of God? Amen. Elder Johnson, take your liberty.
1: Thank you. Sir. Praise the Lord, everyone. Aren't you glad
2: about the change? Amen. Glad he didn't leave me in the pit which he found me, but he dug me out Set me on a rock. That rock is Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to the scriptures tonight and teach what I feel like um, some of us do naturally. And some of us we need some practice. <laughs> and so uh, we're going to talk about that tonight. And we're going to teach on the ministry, the ministry of hospitality ministry of hospitality. Amen. Reading, first of all, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality, given to hospitality, and then turning over to 1 Peter chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9. And above all things, have fervent charity or love among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. You can be seated. start talking about hospitality and being hospitable, some of you are squirming in your seat a little bit, because it's not natural for you to do that, and uh, that doesn't make you a bad person, it just means that you need more practice, (laughs) amen, the church needs members who will open their hearts and their homes to those that are hurting, those that are lonely, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to those that um, come and visit ARC that we don't know, right? They need to feel the love of Christ in this place when they come here. When we talk about hospitality, uh, maybe the first thing that comes to your mind is a uh, hospitality suite, or if you've ever been to a conference, I used to go to jail conferences a lot go to a conference for a week and each night maybe there'd be a different organization that have a hospitality suite and if you went to that suite you would find there'd be different kinds of food and beverages available and you get to know people that that uh, are in the same business you are and and uh, maybe share share some contacts and so forth or uh, and more recently uh, after I retired I, I went to work for a golf course thinking I was going to golf and I found out I'm too busy to golf. <laughs> and um, But each year in October, in fact coming up here next month, the professional tour will come to Silverado Resort in uh, Napa, California. And there will be a lot of preparation going on right now getting ready for this event. And one of those things that they're setting up is a hospitality tent. Now, it is huge. Several thousand pe- people can fit in it. It's uh, probably half a football field in length, it's all enclosed. And as you can imagine, it's Napa Valley, so there's some wine tasting and uh, burgers and a little bit of everything available in the hospitality tent. It's so crowded, when I went in there uh, on a break or after one of my shifts, um, you know, you you end up having to sit down with somebody you don't know. And uh, because that's the only place, there's a place to sit. And so it is, hospitality is about um, meeting others and meeting uh, possibly their needs. And in, in uh, when you come in contact with them, if you really want to be something for God, and, and you have a desire to be, uh, in the word it talks about uh, those that uh, desire to be a bishop, a bishop in the church. Paul writes to First Timothy. In 1st Timothy, not to the 1st Timothy. It's, it, it is, it uh, is. he may not have been the first. Um, in chapter 3, verse 2, if, if you want to be a bishop, you must be given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. And uh, there's another reference in the writing in, in Titus, chapter 1, verse 8. If you if you want to be a bishop, it says that you need to be a lover of hospitality. A lover of hospitality. Now, I love hospitality. You know, Elder um, Worley's had us over, I don't know, what's it been, a couple, two, three months ago now. Um, we've been here nine months already. It just seemed possible. Um, and we had a great lunch together. She fixed tacos. They were awesome. I like tacos. I've been all over eating tacos. They were good at her house. We had a great visit, sat around the kitchen table and talked for hours about the work of the Lord, got to know each other a little bit, and uh, that's what hospitality is, that's what hospitality is, and uh, if you haven't had a chance to get to know me yet, well, have me over for tacos, (laughs) I'll, we'll come for tacos, amen, and uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight, you know, giving has a rippling effect, it, it it's a lot like uh, taking a rock and throwing it into a pond and the ripples go out from the rock as it sinks to the bottom of the pond. And that's how giving is. It keeps giving of itself and you've heard the phrase to pay it forward. You know, you maybe you've heard of an incident where uh, particularly at Christmas time you hear of these stories about somebody in line at uh, uh, some store and, and you could tell that they need help Somebody else in line pays for their groceries or pays for the toys for the kids or whatever it is they're paying it forward. and uh, that's uh, that's true sense of hospitality. It's taking care of strangers. amen. <clears throat> the principle is found in Luke chapter six verse thirty one. In the New King James Version, it reads as like this: "And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise." That's paying it forward, right? So the word hospitality, we find uh, maybe we we have this mental image of a, a table spread. Uh, maybe it's at the hospital, and uh, Brother Rodriguez has put together the spread, and and uh, you know you, you get to partake of it the hospital. Hmm. They're taking care of strangers, aren't they? Yeah. Huh. Similar word. Um, so it can include feeding people. It can include uh, giving a blanket to somebody that's homeless and in need. It could be uh, paying for a meal that, that you know that they need to eat. You can tell by the way that they're, they're dressed and, and uh, the way they appear that they're in need and trying to meet some of that need. And um, that's true hospitality. Hospitality essentially means to be generous and friendly towards others. In the literal sense, in the Greek, it means to love strangers. To love strangers. Now, I don't know that you're all strangers, and I'm getting to know some of you. And um, you know, not not everybody will walk from this side of the church to come over here to shake my hand. And I make it about this far when I'm. We get the little break to shake hands uh, by the time I greet a few people. Um, but I won't bite you. I won't. And I've had my shots. If I do, you're, you're okay. Um, so we need to make hospitality a priority in our lives. It needs to be part of our culture in this church at ARC that when somebody comes in... They will feel the love of God in this place and they may leave not only being spiritually fed but also physically fed and make a new acquaintance and so forth. So um, hospitality evokes images of kind, giving, unselfishness, generous people who share what they have with others to show how much they care. And people that are people persons, do you know who those are? They don't have any problem meeting meeting new people, right? Um, they are they they take interest in others and they show hospitality easier than those that are a little bit more introverted and a little bit more afraid of making new acquaintances. And that's something I think we should work on. And. Um, that's, that's not easy to do if that's the way God wired you. <laughs> and uh, so, when we reach out in hospitality, we invest in people as Jesus did, hospitality will become a natural part of our walk with God. Hospitality should not be limited to just our friends and acquaintances. And uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number two, says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Unawares. You don't know who you're reaching and what impact you're going to have. Or might it impact you? Right? In first John chapter three turn there, verse 17, we're talking about sharing the love of God, it's the most valuable commodity that we actually could give someone, is God's love, let them know the message, the gospel, but once they've come in and they become part of the family of God, they are now our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we look at verse 17, but whosoever hath this World's good and seeth his brother have need, and sheddeth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, a bunch of lip service, right? Neither in tongue, but in deed, actions, and truth. In truth and hereby we know that we are of truth and shall assure our hearts before him. When we walk in truth, when we show the love of God, and we take care of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we see they have a need, and it's, it's not good enough to go up and shake their hand after service and say, God bless you, and know that they need a need without you stepping in to try to help them with that need. And, um, think we need to be more mindful I mean you don't need to be in people's business I'm not saying that particularly but you know when God uh, puts somebody on your heart that maybe he's in prayer during your prayer time that uh, you need to pray for so and so and then when you get the opportunity you can go to them and encourage them let them know that you're praying for them uh, I have a neighbor next door his name's Pete um, he's an older man probably, I don't know 75 to 80 years old and his wife now has dementia and he has struggling taking care of her and, and uh, having just gone through that with my wife's parents uh, we understand the struggle of that and so I told him I said uh, you know Pete we're gonna we're gonna be praying for you And I'm hoping that's just what opens the door for us to be a greater witness to him. Because who knows what door will open as we go through time. We've only been there a few months now in this house. uh, But he's been a good neighbor. Uh, In fact, i got his ladder at my house right now. I'm using it. Uh, But but, uh, I want him to know that we're praying for him. And we believe in the power of prayer. Right? And uh, we want the Lord to use us. Because we are the body of Christ. And if, if people are going to see Jesus Christ today, they're not going to see him in a physical image coming down and showing up in the face of a pancake or, you know, wh- whatever it is this week. Uh, but they're going to see him in the people of the church. When the love of God is demonstrated through you towards them is when they see Jesus Christ. That's when they see the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are him in action. Amen. So sometimes, you know, you want to just give them a track. Maybe it's a card with a, a kind thought in it because you know they're going through something. Um, or maybe uh, if you don't feel comfortable giving somebody money that you know that might stand outside the liquor store, might be just going inside to use it, maybe it's a coupon for McDonald's or something just to show that you care. And uh, in doing that, uh, you can make make it known that ARC is... A people that believes in giving and impacting this community amen and that and that's our mission if, if we're not impacting Carson City and the surrounding area we're not doing our job amen. so when we look at the writing um, Paul's writing in Romans chapter 12 Of course we're all real familiar with chap- chapter 12 verse 1 where he says, I beg you, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And and we kind of we don't really read on through the chapter there, but we need to we need to continue on because he's not only begged us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, he's now wanting us to put it into action. By the time we get to verse 13, we're down to the key scripture that we read at the beginning of this lesson that says we need to be given to hospitality. We're given our bodies, a living sacrifice, and now we're giving in hospitality. That's all in the same chapter written by Paul there. So, um, hospitality to others, offering, could be offering worship unto God. There's a phrase uh, used there, our reasonable service. In the New American Standard Bible, that, that uh, piece of scripture says, spiritual service of worship. So it could be when we do take action like this, it is worship unto God. Yes. It's worship unto God. And as we give ourselves completely to God, our living sacrifice includes hospitable spirit. We must allow generous and friendly giving to become part of us. And then we read 1 uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, and Peter's writing here, and when he tells us to use hospitality in verse 9, one to another without grudging. And I would word that this way, that you give it to them without expecting it in return, right? I know Brother and Sister Worley had us over for tacos, and I know I want to have them over at my house. I also know he's knee-deep in a construction project. Um, but they, sh- they don't expect me the next week to say, hey, come over to my house Right? they did it out of love because they wanted to get to know me and my wife and uh, they wanted to show that the people of Carson City of A- ARC really care and um, getting to know the new folks as they come in and, and I greatly appreciated that then and I still do today so the word charity is often translated as love in the versions in many versions of the Bible and as Christians we should show love one to another And can I remind you that love is not a feeling? Love is not those butterflies you feel when you see your wife walk through the door your girlfriend shows up from Southern California and and uh, You know, you get things kind of stirred up. That's not love. That's emotion, right? Love is action. Love is action. It's a verb. Proof of one's love and devotion to one another is the action that we take. So just as James says in 2, chapter 2, verse 20, says faith without works is dead. You can't say you love somebody unless there's some action. So there needs to be some action with that. <clears throat> if we give, do a good deed, and we do so because uh, we felt feel obligated, and we do so, you know, kind of like, oh, do I have to? We're not doing that in love, right? We're doing that because well, we know it's the right thing to do. But boy, I sure could have used that twenty dollars. That's not the right attitude, the right spirit to do it in, is it? God wants us to be liberal givers. Amen. I had a pastor, um, I was in my, I guess I was around 20 years old, and he used to tell us that we need to give until it's hilarious. Hilarious. And uh, I didn't have much to give at the time, but I, I did what I could, and God always honored that. So hospitality shown in the right spirit towards brothers and sisters in the faith is the work of love. It is the work of love. And I've heard about things that are, you know, I know Brother Machado has a, an ability to work on cars, and some of you have needed help with your cars, and he's done that. I know Brother Warley's done that as well. Um, you know, just knowing that somebody needs help and being willing to help, that's, that's a big deal sometimes. So when we open our hearts to others, we have to get beyond the acquaintance stage. A lot of us here are acquaintances. We know who you are and I'm still learning some of your names. I get tested when I'm with these three over here about who they're talking about. I'm like, who is that? Oh, you know. You know. And then they'll tell me, you know that person and they sit, this is where they sit, oh okay. So I'm still learning. So we're still acquaintances at this point, but we want that relationship to grow into friendships, right? I plan on being here till they unplug me, and uh, and or the Lord comes back, and I'm hoping for that option, amen. And so we want to have relationships, not just be acquaintances, and uh, that takes work, takes effort. That means um, sometimes we put. Our own agenda aside, and we help somebody else, and that becomes the priority. And uh, God honors that. So time spent in the company of of others gives us the opportunity to see who that person is. We don't really know them until we sit down and get to spend some time with somebody. And uh, you know, a great way to do that, of course, is over a meal. It doesn't have to be tacos at the Worley's house. It can be, you know, liver and onions. Somebody else's, I, I guess. Um, no, we're not having liver and onions. I'm just saying. <laughs> My mom used to make me eat that stuff. Yeah. Then I found out what the liver does, and I'm like, oh, I'm not eating that. <clears throat> so some people refrain from getting too close to others. You know, they're afraid that uh, they won't measure up. You know, they feel inadequate around somebody. Want to have them come over to the house? Maybe they don't feel like they could cook a good enough meal, or their furniture is nice enough, or they don't live in the right area of the city, or whatever it is. And those things uh, can hinder the development of a relationship. And um, you don't know how you could impact somebody just by inviting them to spend time with them. So, a lot of times, it's more convenient just to meet at a restaurant. After service, particularly on Sundays, Brother Hood, our pastor, has uh, restructured our Sunday services so that we can fulfill this mission right here. It's not for you to go home earlier. And and, uh, I feel like I'm dad up here chastising the kids, but it's not about you getting to go home earlier. It's about you spending time with your brothers and sisters and uh, getting to know them. And what happens when we do, it brings unity, doesn't it? And when there's unity, a lot of things can happen. Yeah. A lot of good things can happen. And uh, we want to go into a an atmosphere and a spirit of revival, and the only way that's ever going to happen is if we have unity in the body of Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so then we have to understand that there are times when we need to perform the needs of someone else over our own. And it could be one of those services where um, you know, you've, you were impacted by the preaching of the word and uh, you've, you felt an unction that you needed to, to go to the front and you, and you needed to pray. But you know that you have a brother and sister that's got a struggle too and just going over and putting your arm around them and walking up to the front with them and praying with them you never know that, in giving of yourself to them, that God would meet your need. Right? You you can't outgive God, and uh, and so in giving of yourself, God will meet your needs as well. And um, we prefer the needs of others above our own. God honors those actions and He blesses us. Remember the story in uh, the book of Luke, chapter twenty-one, verse one. And it's Jesus at the temple, and he's watching people come by the offering basket and putting in their monies. And remember, there was the little widow that had a couple of mites, and, uh, and she dropped them into the basket, and that's all she had. And Jesus turned to his disciples because it was a teaching moment for him. He was a teacher. And uh, he said, she has given more than they all well, how's that possible? I mean, there were people that were wealthy or possibly dropping bags of money in the offering basket. But they were giving from their abundance, and she was giving all that she had. It was her last coins. And um, God, Jesus, wanted us to understand that the giving that she had in her heart is what we need to have in our hearts. When we give, and we give unto the work of God, and we give unto others. So, the value of giving to others with no thought of return cannot be measured by earthly means. Eternity will tell us that true value. Jesus had something to say in Matthew 25, verse 34, about hospitality. And um, here he is in a teaching moment again. He says, Then shall the king say unto them on His right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink and I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous, these aren't the sinners, these are the righteous, shall answer. Lord, when? When? shall we saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto me, or of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. There's heavenly value in that. There's heavenly value in that. When we care for others, we are caring for Jesus, right? We do it with a right heart, a right spirit. When we open our homes, sharing our food and accommodations, we are doing it unto the Lord. And whatever hospitality we show, God rewards that with dividends that are paid in heaven. So we're trying to build relationships and develop trust. And uh, that, that happens when we get to know one another, uh, as I've been saying over a meal p- particularly, uh, or maybe it's a, a men's breakfast at, uh, at, after a prayer meeting here on a Saturday, and uh, we begin to get to know one another in a way that uh, we, we begin to trust one another, and um, we begin to build on that foundation. Many churches uh, today have created or implemented hospitality ministry. And uh, we have uh, some folks that work in the, the lobby out here to help greet new folks that come in. Uh, the church that, that we just moved from in Napa, if you were a first-time visitor there, you got a, a coffee cup with the church logo on it. In it was a ink pen with the church phone number and name. Some candies, obviously, you gotta have some candy, right? And uh, I don't know why you don't snowballs. I always like those, but there's candy, and and then um, and then if you would fill, fill out a visitors card, we would send you a five dollar Starbucks card for filling out your because that gives us a contact, right? A way way to get into contact with them, get their email address, and begin to send them the newsletters as they come out and so forth. And that's just one way to to greet new people and start building new relationships. Now, we have a few people doing that right now. The Machados, of course, are doing it. My wife's trying to help a little bit, and I don't know who all's involved with it, but it's a great way to meet new people and be the face of the church when somebody walks through the door. And um, the Bible tells us in uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, that a man, if he's going to have friends, he must show himself friendly. And who doesn't like Brother Machado? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Other than Sister Machado. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the man is a magnet, right? When you you come in, you can't help his smile. He always greets you. He always has something positive (laughs) to say. And uh, and he gives good hugs, too. And I think Sister Machado will attest to that. And um, and, uh, I appreciate that he's He's at that door when I, when I come. And, I, and, and that's a great example of being hospitable to strangers. So in, in attempting to shut ourselves out from the world and let the world just go by, some of us are reluctant to, to open up our homes. And, um, you know, that, that's okay. You know, like I said, there's, there's Denny's, there's McDonald's just, just walking distance from here. There's a lot of other places where you can go meet people uh, over over a meal and put into practice um, these things that we're talking about tonight. And, and for those of you that are very introverted and you feel like, um, you know, I'm not so sure I, I can have people over my house to do this, may, maybe a good way to do this is to do practice run, run with some of your friends, some people that you know and trust, and go through that Couple of times, you know, it's kind of like learning to teach home Bible studies. You know, you start teaching it at home first, and then when you get out to where you need to teach it, you're prepared to do so. So, so to have some practice runs on how to be hospitable and um, invite some over. Um, People aren't really looking for the perfect home uh, with uh, the best furniture nicest paintings on the wall or the best carpet on the floor they're looking for somebody to make them feel welcome and to show them the the love of Christ and and that's really what we want to accomplish if we look at the early church in the second chapter of the book of acts uh, brother hood mentioned this that uh, you know they they daily such as should be saved in that Church, revival church, and in the same chapter that the Holy Ghost is poured out, in verse 44 and 47, we find that they went house to house, they went house to house, and that built unity in the church, didn't it? And it, it wasn't long before Jerusalem had was full of Christians, full of Christians, some, some estimates there were 50,000 Christians in Jerusalem at time. Until the persecution, right? And they had. Then they went out to Samaria and to the other most parts of the world. Then they obeyed 28:19 of Matthew. Um, and so, on several occasions, we find that Jesus sat with close friends and shared meals with them. And and you know, it was an honor, of course, to have uh, a renowned teacher come to your home. And there weren't really restaurants per se uh, during this time his ministry and so it was very common for people to open their homes for uh, guests and we find that if we look at Deuteronomy 10:19, there is a commandment from Moses that puts this whole thing in motion and that is that they were told that they needed to lodge strangers love therefore the stranger for you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. Don't forget where you come from, right? And what the Lord's done for you and how he's provided for you. And, um, and so we need to turn that love around to someone else. So today, lodging, you know, others is not very common. We have motels, of course, they're all everywhere. And most of the time, uh, our invitations are extended to uh, family, friends, and, and those kinds of things. But there, there may come a time when there's a situation where uh, somebody in the church is struggling and uh, you feel a need to help them by opening your home and having them come stay with you. Um, and, and I'm speaking from experience here. That, that's a big deal, to open your house, to, to uh, kind of get into your private part of your life we had a couple in the church that came and lived with us for nine months, and uh, they, they had Corey's old bedroom, as it turned out, and uh, I'm glad Corey wasn't still there. It have been really crowded, but um, <clears throat> they lived with us for nine months because they were struggling. They were they, they were deep in debt. And they, they didn't have a place really to stay, and, and so we opened our home to them, and I'm not going to say it was all great because nine months is a long time to have another married couple in your home that you're not related to and uh, so we did that and and, they're successful today they're living for God and doing a work for God and we're pleased with that Um, and it may be there's a a teenager in the church that came out of an environment like Brotherhood where they're not in a safe environment at home and they need a place that uh, is safe and they they have a desire to serve God and and, uh, so that. Uh, for three years, we had a young man in our home, and uh, it was great. He bought us a washer and dryer when he left, uh, which we gave away to somebody, I don't remember. <laughs> um, but we've done that. And uh, and of course, uh, you know, me working with inmates, I guess I'm probably a little bit too trusting, but I've had on a couple occasions, inmates come live with us, um, and be very careful. <laughs> be very careful about who you let in your what they would bring into your home. And I would hope that they would respect your home and that in my case, you know, they had to come to church when I came to church, you know, and, and they were men, so when my wife was home, they had to be out of the house and uh, there needed to be some precautions. Uh, and I'm not suggesting you go down and take people out of the jail and take them home with you. I don't I don't think that's probably a good idea today. Um, but at the time, it... Uh, did what we thought was right, and um, in, in both cases that I'm thinking of right now, one came straight from San Quentin to our house, another one came from a drug and alcohol program where he'd been sentenced as a strong-arm robber from uh, L.A. County, uh, had been stealing people's cars on the street, just put a gun in their face, take their car, and uh, that's dangerous to bring hit men into your home. <laughs> Well, we didn't have anybody break into our house for a while either, so that was good. Um, but the Bible has a lot to say about hospitality. The revival in Philippi happened because there was a woman named Lydia who opened up her home, right? to Paul and Silas. Um, they, she opened up her home, and she constrained them. She insisted that they come and stay at her house. You know, she was a lover of God, the Bible tells us. Uh, We don't know what all she knew, but when she heard the gospel preached by Paul or Silas, she accepted it. And she and her house were baptized, and she then opened up her house. And there was a revival in Philippi because, first of all, Lydia gave them a place to stay. And then after all that event where Paul and Silas ends up in jail and having midnight worship, the jail earthquake shakes, the jail falls apart, all the doors are open i wasn't working that shift and you know great revival happened because the jailer then accepted the lord jesus christ and his house was baptized and it all triggered because lydia was the first one to open her home right and philippi had revival because of it and uh, we can think of several instances uh in the word of god there's of course uh Mary and Martha and Lazarus brothers and brother and sisters who uh, loved Jesus and often had him come to their house and uh, it was you know this 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 one time that uh, the scripture records Martha's so busy preparing the meal and she's upset she's stressed out because Mary's not helping she's in there listening to what Jesus has to say right she's she's wanting to hear what the master Martha's so consumed with making sure the turkey gets done and the dressing's made and maybe she should, should have had tacos. It wouldn't have been as hard. But but Jesus, you know, he was kind about it. Martha, you're just encumbered with too many things. It's really, you know, it's more about what Jesus had to say, wasn't it? And then, of course, uh, there's the story in the Bible in 2 Kings it's in chapter 4 where Elisha is the prophet of note and he travels by this house commonly Shunammite woman right? remember her the Bible says she was wealthy they had a big farm apparently we find out later in reading and uh, she recognized that Elisha was a man of God and he was always coming by the house and so convinces her husband we need to build a, a, a room I mean, he's been coming over for dinner now and he must like my cooking because he keeps coming back and uh, maybe it's tacos um, probably not but um, they built a room for Elisha and because of the effort they put in to make the prophet of God comfortable there were miracles done in her life right that she did it because she felt like she needed to do this for the work of God. She didn't have any personal agenda. She wasn't doing this to to get renowned or written about in the word of God so we would know who she was. When When the prophet said, what can I do for you, what was her response? I'm good. I'm good. And when she leaves the room, the prophet's servant says, you know, she don't have any children. And in those days, it was a curse not to have so the prophet prophesies that this time next year you'll have a son and of course you know the rest of the story is later on he apparently has a heat stroke out on the farm with dad and he's rushed back to the house and he dies but the prophet comes to the house and restores him to life and it it all happened because there was a woman that was willing to show hospitality to the man of God and uh, when we'll do that God will honor So, I'm wrapping up here, for musicians will come, because we're going to sing a song. So, um, Abraham, of course, father of the faithful, he's at the tent one day, and uh, he sees three men coming, and the Bible says that he rushed out to meet them, and he constrained them to come and stay for a meal, and he took the uh, best calf, he made the finest meal of cakes or Sarah did and he prepared a meal for them I don't think it was tacos I think it was barbecue beef and cornbread because it was beef a tender calf and Abraham because of his hospitality received his promise of his son that day because of hospitality so when we're reaching out to others it has an amazing rewards one of those rewards is we'll get a new friend right you can't have too many friends hospitality opens the door to new relationships spending time with together brings people closer and builds unity in the body and developing relationships it, it strengthens the local church ARC can be strong when there's unity here and we can impact this community for Jesus Christ when the church is involved in acts of service, the community is going to notice. The community is going to notice. So we want to fulfill the scripture, and we want to show hospitality to, uh, of course, our brothers and sisters in in the Lord, but also to those who come through the doors or that we see on our job sites, or maybe you're at a local store and, and you run into somebody and a conversation strikes up. Just showing the love of God will make this church a stronger church, and we will fulfill the mission that he has for us. Can we stand? There's an old chorus I want to sing came to my mind. Apparently, he's singing in Spanish at your old church, right? Okay.
1: Hmm. You're my brother, you're my sister. Take me by the hand Together we will work Until he comes There's no foe that can defeat us As we're walking side by side As long as there is love We will stand You're my brother sister, so take me by the hand, together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us if we're walking side by side, as long as there is love we will stand. Can we show somebody some love in this place? Let's come to the front and pray together.
0: Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let's lift up our hands. Let's come together. Amen. Come with somebody next to you. and Just lay your hand over on their shoulder and pray with them. Hallelujah. This is a connected body of believers, a connected church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, pray with somebody. Maybe you gotta pray with somebody you you haven't you haven't spoken with them in a while. Or maybe they sit on the other side of the church than you. Just reach out and find somebody and just pray with them. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Maybe if you're an elder, find somebody that's a little younger than you. Maybe, amen. Young man, find an elder. Just find somebody and just pray with them. Hallelujah. This is the very basis of Christianity, right here. This is what caused the church to grow and have revival. And, Lord, we want that culture. Pray that it would sweep through this building, God. There's a lot of things that we talked about here tonight, but it all comes back down to this hospitality. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pray help me to bless my brother. Bless my sister. Help me to bless your kingdom, those that aren't even part of your kingdom, Lord. Whatever way that I can, Come on, that's it, church. The Holy Ghost is in this building honoring this teaching here tonight.